0: To design a podcast, an awful optimistic podcast where we learn by daring to ask questions. I'm your ever curious host Teresa? In the last two episodes of the podcast, we have had people who are involved in the creation of art through photography and film. In this episode we have Brenda, who is a student of the theory of folklore. Brenda was my first guest on the show, and this conversation was recorded much earlier in the year. I'm so grateful that she took a stranger reaching out to her over the internet for an interview so gracefully. Brenda Umtoniwase, my guest for this episode, is a folklore studies scholar who, at the time of recording, was finishing her last year in the Folklore Studies Master's Program at the University of California, Berkeley, and transitioning at the time into a PhD in Black Studies. In her research, she is interested in Black and African indigenous practices and ways of knowing questions of race and Blackness on the continent, as well as cultural and political relations between the African continent and its diaspora. Currently, her focus is on looking at sound as a means through which we could think about memory and the archives, historical archives, differently against colonial logics. Folklore is described on the internet as the traditional beliefs, customs, and stories of a community passed through the generations by word of mouth. Alternatively, it's also used to refer to a body of popular myths or beliefs relating to a particular place, activity, or group of people. Folklore is about customs of a people brought together by community. I love this topic because, in essence, I feel that it is what the podcast aims at asking questions about. Our shared beliefs, how they came about, and how they serve us. In my mind, every day on the internet, we are engaging in contemporary folklore. We are sharing stories and myths, videos and music, written words and art. The two previous shows have seen Jeremy with his documentary photography, Mavingo and Beate in their documentary film on the Mau Mau, contributing to what I believe will be the folklores of our time. I have in an upcoming episode had a chat with Munya, himself leading the Great African Art Banner Initiative. He is trying to create a positive image of Africa through art, again contributing to the folklore of our time. He's creating a banner that is to span kilometers. Where else have you heard this happening except for you? As some of you listening may know, this podcast is inspired by the memory of my son Tulani. Having been a child myself who disappeared into books and the stories they held, I knew folktales were one of those things that I would have enjoyed sharing with a boy. The word folktales being described as to refer to stories that have been passed down from ancestors, from ancestors of a particular group of people to their younger generations. And each episode of this podcast is a story I would have loved for him to hear and pass on to those he would have met and engaged with in his lifeline, stories passed down from earlier generations. To the two generations between us. And onto the fact that Brenda is so intelligent, eloquent and gifted, all characteristics I would have loved to see embodied in Tulani and his world as well. I'm excited to have you all listen as we discuss how Brenda came into the world of studying folklore. We explore what influenced her intentions towards this study, the intricacies of our African identity and understanding ourselves through culture how folklore offered her space to better understand who we are as a people. Talking with Brenda also opened up my mind to the different channels we have to understand our histories, mostly usually taken for granted. Perhaps the downside of this conversation that I loved so much is that it left me sad that these types of studies that delve into the intricacies of culture and beliefs are not as readily available here in my country as they are in the diaspora. Historically, African audiences are left out of the creation of our own histories and thus our own heritages. And that's why the guests I have on this show are so important to me. They're telling their stories from a place of truth, a truth that reaches and delves deep into our lineages and shared heritages as a people, living in the Black condition. With Brenda, we delve into the tricky and sometimes contentious nature of modernity in the African context. We agree on the need to examine and reflect on the authenticity of our modernization, which was birthed from a westernized template. Sort of like how Wakanda is a nation that was never colonized and so they had to have developed in a way that was outside of the way that the US and Europe looks with unique and organically homegrown systems of power and governance. Anyways that's just a little bit of what you have to look forward to. Let's get on with the show. Brenda, welcome to the podcast. First of all, I was researching you a little bit and I saw that you have a history undergraduate in economics and development. And then you transitioned to... Is it that you have had transitioned transition completely to African studies?
1: I actually... I actually would not necessarily place myself within African studies as a discipline. Okay. Um, although I am... Um, I think maybe situated there by default, um, okay. even though I don't necessarily claim um, a space in it, or rather the the, the opposite, it doesn't accommodate for what I'm trying to do, okay. um, but which perhaps I'll get to explain a little bit later. But um, yes, I did my undergrad in international agriculture and rural development, actually. Um, but with an economics and development, um, sociology concentration. Um, and at the time, I was really interested in understanding the the, the, the sociocultural, but also the economic um, and political economy of, of, of different places on the continent, beginning from where I was coming from, um, which is Rwanda. Um, so, but... That degree kind of um, set me up for what I ended up doing later, which I was always doing, but not formally. Um, but thinking in, in in regards to me doing that degree in international agriculture and rural development, I was really just preoccupied with um, the material conditions, really, um, of of different precarious lives on the continent. Um, specifically the rural area, rural Africa, um, the kind of um, vulnerabilities, uh, political, economic that they're subjected to, um, and but specifically looking at that through um, food structures. So what, what does it mean for um, a community that is specifically sustained through agriculture to actually live through that, especially within um, a post-colonial, post-genocide state? Um, but through that degree, I wasn't I didn't find the things I was looking for because um, which, again, ended up becoming how I ended up realizing that that's actually the structure of the degree. It's not supposed to to answer the specific questions I was looking for, which is um, how how comes that we have been discussing the condition, the economic condition of Africans? For centuries, right? We, I was, I wasn't the first one to do it, not nor the last. Um, since the '60s, uh, when different countries gained their independence, this has always been the conversation. But nonetheless, nothing was really changing, right? Um, in, in fact, um, it was becoming more precarious for specific um, groups of people. So, and I couldn't find the answer. I couldn't find the answer in that degree because it. Turned out to be heavily ahistorical, um, so it doesn't take recourse of the historiography that actually have led Africans in that place, which includes the history of colonialism, um, imperialism, but also acknowledging that the stage that different African countries were in, which was being called the post-colonial or post-independence, was in fact neocolonial, um, and how that specifically is responsible for um, the conditions that Africans spe- and, and, and Rwandans, at least which I was looking at at the moment, were in. So it was ahistorical a in that sense, but at the same time it was apolitical because it was refusing to contend with um, the role of 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 specific finance institutions like the IMF, the World Bank, and how they're complicit um, in um, the the precarity of of of, of African um, lives. And specifically, um, because my focus has always been on the rural, um, the, the the rural um, groups. So that is how that is how I ended up uh, kind of like divesting from that degree but going into uh, folklore (laughs) it was it was sort of coincidental if 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 I am to say because from the beginning I didn't actually know that there was such a degree as 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 folklore folklore studies I knew folklore as a practice I
0: just knew folk folk, and I have trouble saying that word I don't know why (laughs) folklore I, I feel like I'm saying something wrong but anyways um, yeah, for me, I was like, I just know folk songs, like, and, and, and it was a distant memory. I I think when I I came across that term, with regards to what you're studying, I just went back to like folk songs and and stories and and that. So I don't know what is then folk. For, oh my god, I'll blame my heavy Kikuyu tongue. <laughs>
1: You're not, the only one. you're not the only one everybody has everybody has a hard time pronouncing yeah. it yeah.
0: um
1: but yeah I didn't know that there was a degree um as as, as folklore studies uh, specifically as a discipline mm-hmm. um I only knew new folklore as a practice as a way of life um mm-hmm. and which is specifically how I came into it without necessarily me knowing that actually that 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 is what it is um I grew up around um a very very sonic culture which also goes into my how I came into sound sound was a very pervasive uh, part of my of, of my life I think as is everybody it's just that we we don't acknowledge it as a valid way of, of knowing um yeah but um I grew up listening to a lot of folk plays, a lot of, um, on the radio. So I was such a radio child. I keep saying that. Um, I always had the radio with me. Um, so listening to different, um, like folk songs, listening to different plays, which I'm not sure if you have similar things in Kenya, but there was always this um, radio programs where um, people did an entire play on the radio. So they could literally set up a sin in yeah. in 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 the radio s- uh, station studio um and and they could picture they could they could visualize an entire village sonically through sound they could visualize um someone could like open a door and you could immediately know that this is the hospital because of how it sounded someone could Um, be walking in the bush and you could hear crickets and you know that that's the bush. So this is the kind of things I grew up around, but also a lot of stories. My grandma was such a phenomenal storyteller. So that in itself really um, factored into my my socialization, um, into what I came to know later as folklore. Um, But I came to it um, also, which is very much related to um, the question, I think you 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 had hinted before on me being a, a, a black uh, woman a, a black African, dark skinned woman um, occupying different spaces, which is also something I have to always um, mention because sometimes people freeze us in spaces. Um, I am originally born and raised in Rwanda, but I I live in different spaces. So, but sometimes people tend to freeze people into specific geographies um socially politically and, and 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 culturally too which is which is not how how life works and that is really an illusion because all these all all these specific identities that are classified are lived all at once i there's no there's there's never been a time i wake up and i'm like today i will not be a black woman <laughs> you, you know like all these identities that people tend to think of as separate um are lived simultaneously all at once and um and 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 their effects becomes into not not just entwined but also cumulative um for specific people so I came into folklore um because I was really looking for answers (laughs) I think I was looking for answers um and um I was really, really held a lot by Black feminist theory, um, and our ancestor uh, Bell Hooks actually really says it well that I came to theory because I was her- I was in pain, I was hurting, um, and 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 this pain was this pain was specifically a result of um, accumulation of experiences. Um, that begin again from 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 your upbringing and 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 then extend into different things, right? So yeah. it just becomes an expandable kind of weird um, something you cannot necessarily explain or, or 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 be able to articulate. Again, given that sometimes most instances we don't really have the tools to do so. Um, so I came to theory um, because of that, but at the same time. Um, I was having a dissonance with what theory is. Yeah. Um being here, specifically in, in 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 an American institution where there's a specific understanding of what theory is, and mm-hmm. in most instances it tends to be textual. It's written material yeah. that has been debated over time, um, and spe- also specific coming from specific bodies, right? Um, specific people. Um and you, tend, you, you tended to find that what is revered as theory was uh, specific knowledge or scholarship coming from uh, cis, hetero, white, uh, male um, um, uh, people. Um, but at the same time, I just, I knew, I knew that was not it. I just, I knew it. I knew that was not it. And I knew um, there is, different forms of theory, there's different forms of knowledge, and knowledge production and and, and, and knowledge sharing that go beyond um, the textual. Um, And as as, I think as time went by, it it dawned on me that really what we have termed as history, as black history, as African history, as African theory, typically is recorded as culture, as black culture, as popular culture. Um, And It is stored in songs, it is stored in in stories, it is stored in dance. Um, So it was that realization that really we've been theorizing. We've been theorizing all along and we've been theorizing through song, through dance, through um, different forms of art and expressive culture. Um, It's just that it it, it goes against Western forms of abstract logic. Um, And that is how I came into folklore uh, because folklore, Offered me that. Offered me that space to actually um, attend to these different forms of culture um, productions, or songs, um, different stories. Not just as, not just as songs. Not just as um, rituals, which is how a lot of white anthropologists have always termed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as yeah. theory, in and in and of itself. Um, not looking at this in practice Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no i mean actually the binary that people put between theory and practice is non-existent it's yeah it's 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 uh it's it's an illusion there's theory comes from practice you know theory doesn't come from the vacuum it comes from people's everyday lives and right and, and colleges so um there's really that binary between that the people place between theory and practice is is is, um, is is uncalled for, if I may put it that way. So yes, yeah, so I came into into folklore um, that way, as as for me to be able, and I always emphasise that this was really not to be able to make a case for um, these forms of. Of theory, as I'm calling them, to have a space within Western um, forms of knowledge, really not. That's that, that's that's not what I'm looking for. That's not my investment. But is it is primarily for us to be able to actually see this um, as ways through which we've come to exist, but also ways through which we've come to um, um, resist um, different forms of violence. But also the different, these forms of theory, these songs, these stories as the ways through which we've been made um, and remade um, from our ancestors and and, and then coming into us. So it's really, really primarily for us. I'm not trying to make it legible for specifically Western audiences. It's for us to be able to actually really understand this as as our own way of, 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 of experiencing the world and living in it.
0: I just wanted to maybe clarify a little bit in a short sentence when we say theories um and we say folklore what are those you know just for somebody who's not uh, conversant or somebody who's just you know uh, learning or starting to get into this
1: theory in itself um if you are thinking of it as an abstract thing any any form of um Tested knowledge, but we we at the same time we also know that through the 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 the, the Western Europe in its escapades to, to mm. colonize the world, um, kind of establish what they called enlightenment, right? And enlightenment was specifically um, conditioning or. Subscribing, who can and can 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 be a reasonable, logical human being, right? And 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 this idea of being a reasonable, logical human being—it's a human being who's able to produce knowledge, a human being who's able to think, right? Think and live in relationship to others, mm-hmm. but this idea of enlightenment was not extended to to. People relegated to lower races, and 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 by this I mean um, black people, native, um, indigenous groups, um, all over the world, beginning from 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 here where I am in America. So when we think about theory, then um, in this definition that we have, we've inherited. It, it reeks of that colonial understanding of who can and can can produce um knowledge and and that person who can and- can produce, can produce knowledge is is thought of as the logical um person, but we all know that through this colonial project the black person or the African was equated um to nature right so by default this is someone who's not able to produce to become a logical um being mm-hmm. p- capable of producing knowledge so but what we are doing and which what i think a lot of black scholars are doing a lot of indigenous scholars are doing at the moment is um not necessarily claim a space within um at least this, at least where i situate myself among other scholars doing the same thing mm-hmm. it's not necessarily argue for Black people to be knowledgeable, logical beings, because we are already existing outside of that category of the human. Um, it's rather to for this to make sense to ourselves, primarily right as a, a legible as a logical as a valid way of thinking way of living um and a way of, of forming relationships so when we say when i say that folklore is theory this is what i mean this this the, the, this sense of it, this in, indigenous cultures indigenous practices through which life is made possible through which we give birth and and people die and we mourn them and we bury them and life continues and um we learn new things all of this all of this in itself that is what I mean by theory um that is knowledge in itself that is a sense that is a way
0: of creating um a world if I may put it that way is there a particular time you are concentrating on or is it specifically like does folklore only apply to you know the stories about the ogres in the forest that we used to read when we were in primary school, uh, or does it also include what you have mentioned—the radio dramas that occur even today? And I think there's a really famous one that occurred in, in Rwanda post-genocide that really had good results with community building and all that. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. is that still in the in the realm of what studying? Yes, huh?
1: mm-hmm. very okay. much very much actually if anything that is that is that is mostly where i am i am i am focusing kind of dealing with uh period uh, periodization i i don't know i just feel like the way we conceive of time in itself becomes a disservice and the things we we end up paying attention to like when specifically i i'm i i'm not a proponent i'm not a proponent of specifically classifying things as specifically pre colonial, colonial, post colonial, because these themselves, and we are actually really um, uh, not, not justifying, but kind of solidifying the colonial project as dictating the history of the continent in that way. So we. we I agree. Uh, there is no contemporary that doesn't pay recourse to. Um, the specific songs or stories that were that were happening, let's say, uh, centuries ago, right? All these things are cyclical, right? There are so many scholars that I'm reading now, perhaps which I'll come to suggest later, that really are just to think against colonial time. And once we start to think against colonial time, then we start to see things as very cy- time as cyclical, time as cylindrical, yeah. right? Uh, and through this, then there's really there 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 becomes no stark difference between um what you're calling contemporary forms of folklore and what people were doing centuries ago maybe the change could be in style the change could be in context there's always that difference in context um but i always i'm always wary of drawing this very like very big you know like very big differences um and i think part of the the difficulty in, in 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 what you are asking is that we have come. When you say folklore, someone automatically runs to like you know like things that people were doing. Uh, yeah. I don't know, you no, know, the sixteenth century, in the fifteenth century, that is folklore. But how we are thinking of folklore in itself is a result of um, colonial sciences, including anthropology, right? That I have that have frozen. Um, specific ways of being and ways of doing in time, right? um which is which is not what happens. <laughs> wow, you know,
0: I'm agreeing with you. I recognize my question does lie a bit in the assumption of time in a linear fashion, which is a <laughs> bit westernized, and everything is still happening at the same time. Like, for example, in Nairobi, where I am currently, I'm in a metropolitan city. And right next to a wild animal reserve and the Maasai's. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the Maasai's and their tribe, they're sovereign in in that sense. But they are also, you know, these are our heritage. They are maintaining the practices of living that had been lived a while ago. So for them, what is time you get, like, somebody who is still living in that rural, rural setting that may still resemble what people were living in the past societies. What is time for them? So I'm agreeing with you. I agree that in that way, we can say that things things happen, but we, we can't say that they're happening in one line.
1: But I also, I also want to challenge you, especially, especially in thinking about the Maasai um, mm-hmm. currently mm-hmm. and the kind of... Neo, neo-colonial, neo-liberal policies that, that that the state of Kenya, mm-hmm. um, is, is, especially with the different conservation um, mm-hmm. politics mm-hmm. that are happening, that are um, displacing them away from 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 their land. In thinking, in most instances, what what I'm trying to get at is that when when you talk about the Maasai, when you talk about any group of people on the continent or otherwise, that um, that is can be qualified as indigenous. Mm-hmm. Um, although again, that's 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 a conversation to have because being African is to be African is to be indigenous. Um, but there is specific forms of indigeneity, um, that specific categories that people like the Maasai occupy. And when we're looking at them, when people look at them, spec- there's that tendency, right, to specifically, um, freeze them in time um which is what you're saying but also this kind of freezing does not make it possible for people to actually contend with how um the current which is again time right time is time 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 is both against them and 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 for them in in different yeah. ways so when when you people freeze them in time and think of them as conservatories of culture of tradition of history, it makes it impossible for people to actually contend with the with the different from the structure of violence that they're being subject to yeah. today. A lot of times, especially doing what I do, mm-hmm. um, there's this, and this assumption mm-hmm. that I am that my primary site of, of of I don't know inquiry is this rela- assumed relationship between tradition and modernity, which is always for an African or for a black person is, it doesn't exist really. I don't know. It doesn't exist because even to, once we come to understand that the the, 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 the project of modernity of civilization um, failed for a black person, for an African, and what it's, 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 once we come to understanding that for an African, they will, they, an, a Black person or an African, will never attain more matriculate, if I may use the word, matriculate into a full self-actualized modern subject. Um, once we realize that that is impossible, um, then we, I think we come to terms with the fact that this binary is non-existent really. Uh, because mod- to be modern is to be a white male human being because this is what modernity was conceived around. This is the idea of the human, the modernity, the idea modernity was was consumed around. I know when people think about modernity, we immediately l- run to um I don't know, like physical mm, I don't know, like buildings or oh, we have machines now yeah. or oh, we are able to, to have to, roads to, to read right or so we have we, we have roads, infrastructure, all of that. Um, but the modern project is 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 a disciplining project, right? You are being disciplined to be a specific human being, producing specific kinds of things, um, and this this trajectory, this I, I don't know I, I, if this journey to be a modern subject, mm-hmm. it, to be a modern, a full self-actualized modern subject is to be a white male cis human being, so which is something I always want to, and a lot of scholars, a lot, Sylvia Winter talks very, very beautifully about it. Um, the idea of the human as, as as conceived around the idea of man and the idea of man being a white male, you know. So once we come to terms that the, modernity is a failed project for an, a black African, then it becomes easier for us to think of folklore in a specific way that does not necessarily tie to ju- to just the past and past alone
0: that's so much to process that's do you think you know because we're saying that i i do tend to agree that the modernity project we're trying to emulate a white way of being unfortunately we were colonized with the intention of being eradicated if we're going to be honest about colonization. The whole point is we were we were not supposed to still exist. So if, if not aliveness, but culturally dead. Um, so, you know, there was the whole to be free, well in Kenya, missionaries came and they're like, oh, you know what, now you need to burn all your clothes and you need to burn all you you basically had to burn everything in the house so that you can now be accepted into this new way of being that you know you were wrong to live your life all this way all this time um so yeah we were never the right people for this kind of world that is here now or or, or the colonized world um but still there's this whole question or every time we come to debate about or colonialism and there are those voices which say, you know what, it's it's finished fifty, sixty years ago, somewhat. Sixty, yeah. And you're still complaining. Now it's your own fault. What do you say to that? Because we're told that Africans are we are our own worst enemies. And in relation to folklore, how do you see that panning out?
1: Mm. I don't know. It, it breaks my heart. <laughs> it breaks my heart because um, that makes it. I don't know. I think it's very. It's easier to kind to be in a position where you know that you're colonized. You know, to be in a position when you where you actually are aware that you're a colonized subject, that you're a colonized person. You're living under. Um, an oppressive capitalist imperialist um homophobic society mm. because being in that position it m- it means that there's possibility this possibility of, of 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 building a different or striving towards a different different world which is what um i am attempting to do which is what other scholars attempting to do at least hopefully at least those i can speak to When someone, especially if it's a black African, um, he's not able to say something like that, where they're like, oh, uh, colonialism ended um, 50, 60 years ago, why are you still complaining? Um, that, That means that this person actually does not contend, is not really contending with the realities Mm. of the world they're living in um it means that this person has one mirrored or internalized um the colonial logics of one of a black person as inherently incapable of um freedom incapable of liberation and someone who's supposed to be enslaved by default so for me it's a form of denial but did, this denial is 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 enabled by the by the system we work under by the system we live under it makes it possible um for us to be in that position where we're like why because if if if, if you really are to to make that claim then you're saying that you don't really know what um development policies or development practices in these different countries are coming from, right? The, the, the kind of logic they're being made in. Who is sponsoring um this? The, the other day, there the, the the bill that was that was passed in Uganda, um the anti-queer bill in itself, you know, you, you see you saw the kind of discourse that was coming from it. Yeah. It's sponsored by American Evangelicals, right? Yeah. But the fact the fact that people are not, that is a very, 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 very clear example, right? On the effects of global imperialism um, on the current lives of African people, of Black Africans. It, it, it shouldn't be more clearer than that, mm. right? So if someone is not able to see that when it's literally in front of their eyes, if someone is not able to see the role of um, Western nonprofits and the kind of damage they do in our communities if someone is not able to see the kind of positions that the poor working class in our communities are put under um are subjected to um then it's 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 there are in a really critical sense of denial and um that's why
0: i started with it breaks my heart <laughs> mine too Let's take a moment for our heart. But this the, the, and and uh,
1: this is this is exactly why we, we keep fighting, right? This is why we keep fighting. This is why we keep fighting because um there's so much I don't want to call it misinformation, but there's so much um internalizing of colonial idol- ideology or colonial structures as what African I don't know, indigenous practices are or we're supposed to be. Um, there's this complexion, right, of a colonial logics. We inherited them um, and 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 through, again, through the, the, the nation states, they come to be a pervasive part of our lives to the extent that this, they become normal, right? They become um, our reality, even, even though it's not necessarily the truth. So People, some people operate from that space. Or some people think from that space. So it becomes impossible yeah. to actually really, really see the
0: extent. Um, but also... I just ask, when you uh, say the nation-states, how do you mean found on uh, the nation-state situation? Country-state. Country-state. Oh. Okay. 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 The government. The states, basically.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but which most of them are nation states, right? so but and 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 that's a really, really good distinction to to think about, right? what What is the difference between um the nations that specific African communities were under or they had um they conceived of they they they, they, they yeah, versus the nation state as we know it today, right? versus the nation state as a structuring overall, Um, over-determining structure or organization, right? Which is, again, we keep emphasizing the state or the nation state is an inherited colonial tool, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the the, the nation state, especially in, in, in regards to the African continent are formed as an inherited form of, um, overseeing, right? you, the, 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 these are specific people who are put in specific positions of power to overlook, to <laughs> overlook the, the 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 property the, the, that, the that, is, that planning. Is, so, so when we say the nation state specifically, also want to always clarify that the nation state as it is today, which uh-huh. is every state on the continent, mm. is an inherited colonial tool, um, and it functions even the way. The kind of um, policies it it, it 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 is constantly. The other day I was talking about um, how different agriculture um, policies in Rwanda today themselves are inherited from the kind of uh, agriculture schemes that were started by the Belgians during the the, the colonial period. Okay. Um, so th- the the specific tools is the specific. Uh, ideology and logics that the nation state functions in itself is inherited um, through the colonial project. So there was always that thing that we're still uh, engaging with. So, yeah, but I wanted to 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 hint on that.
0: So that's the situation. Where then are we positioning your your study of folklore? Are you what's the future in it like?
1: Um... I'm not sure how to answer that question. It is, if there is one thing that has benefited me, um, is bringing so many disciplines in conversation with with folklore, which is why I mentioned Black studies. So we're talking about um, Indigenous studies and African studies. Although from the beginning, as I started mentioning that, I don't really, really position myself within African studies. Because for the longest, African studies had refused to like seriously contend with the um, rea- realities of race and racialization on the continent, right? There's this underlying assumption that there is no such a thing mm. um, as racialization if uh, the, the, the country or the nation is majority black people with the exception of South Africa, of course, um, or, or, or Zimbabwe and sometimes Kenya as a settler colony, right? Um, so that is one of the beef I have with African studies as a discipline. But it's always critical to bring all these d- disciplines together. So I think to your question, where I'm positioning folklore, in my study of folklore, is in conversation with all these other disciplines. So Black studies, Indigenous studies, um, African studies. Um, yeah, to be able to kind of like get a really good sense, because as you've already, I think, gotten from this conversation, when i'm thinking about folklore i'm not i'm using it as a window i'm using it as a, as a window to be able to get entry into understanding how african people have always socialized themselves the ways of thinking um ways of knowing that could also be um where we 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 kind of sit as we're trying to make sense of our place in the world um without necessarily um looking to other places to give us the tools to do so. So I I, I use folklore for that specific purpose. And then I use other disciplines to, to lend a hand, to help me think about this expansively. to help me think about, let's say if it's a Kenyan community, if it's a random community, how am I thinking about this in relationship to people in Haiti? How am I thinking about this in relationship to Black people in Brazil? How am I thinking about it in relation to Black people in Mozambique, right? So it's thinking about, Help me think about the condition, the black, uh, black life um, on the continent, but as it relates to uh, blackness transnationally. So that I think I think that is where I position myself, um, in using all these different disciplines to help me do
0: that. Okay, wow, that's a good place to take another break. Okay, so we're back with Brenda. Um, yeah, I think there's a reason why you chose to study folklore and it can't all be, you know, um, fighting the injustices. So what, what is it that you, you know, if somebody was considering this as a way of, um, learning more about themselves or, you know, growing or doing something, what would you, or would you say to so somebody interested in folklore as an area to study? Hmm. I have to
1: be, I have to actually be very transparent. Folklore as a discipline right now is very white. Ooh. <laughs> it's really white. So as part of my training, I had to learn a lot about Scandinavian folklore, which I really had no business to learn about. But I just yeah, it's, so that's a disclaimer. Um, but I had to do a lot of work to actually like bring into bring in the material that I'm looking to study. So that is something that happens, I guess. I mean, as is all disciplines, really, most disciplines, especially the traditional disciplines, they're usually um, very, very white and very European or very um, American, depending on where you are. But nonetheless. It is really uh an amazing. It's it's I think it's an amazing space to be in. Um one, it's so much fun. Who doesn't like to sing, doesn't like to dance, doesn't like to 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 to, to, to commune. Um in Kenya Rwanda, we call it Gutarama, um, which is to to to, to gather, together in in enjoy, together gather in, um in 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 song and dance. So there's that sh- sharing of space right but that harbors and gives um like deliberately gives space for um what we have come to know as black aliveness or black livingness right um so there's an intentional unintentional um practice of really really cultivating joy which is what a lot of our communities do despite their consistent forms of violence they're subjected to right theres is there there is uh, a, a quotation from um, Patrice Saunders' uh, book, "Defending um, the Dead," that I really 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 love. Um, they say um, we sing for death, we sing for birth. That's what we do. We sing. Um, so singing, singing is such is such a cathartic um, practice, right? We sing for death and we sing for birth and um we were seeing really so it's it's such a really really i don't i don't want to use fan deliberately (laughs) let me let Um. me use rewarding it's a rewarding space to be in um because you are able to see how these two things are living together right And, and and how death and death and mourning and joy are living at the same time how precarity and 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 so much bountifulness and i don't know like all these things are happening at the same time so so there's so much fullness to it really um but also i get to really commune with spend time with the communities i work with which is always a wonderful time you know so we, we sing we, we dance and uh everything in between so which communities are those It's a community of this community that I work with in Rwanda. It's called uh, Kadina Kamoye, and it sits in the southern part of Rwanda. Um, And it's a community of uh, traditional dancers and potters and singers. So they do all this together and they have been one of my main interlocutors um, in in, in thinking about folklore as a practice, as things people do as a way of life, basically, besides um, me sitting here in school and reading books all day yes
0: I think I've learned today that folklore is not just in the past that is definitely something that I'm taking away with Mm -hmm. me from this talk it's a good takeaway I have also taken away the fact that it's not only African Mm -hmm. somehow Mm -hmm. in my perception I was myopic I was only thinking that folklore applies specifically to us I don't know why I do know, especially when I mentioned folk music. I was thinking mm-hmm. of American music. I was thinking about, you know, how they the the banjo. And mm-hmm. at the same time as I am thinking of, you know, your your radio dramas, which I did have some experience with them growing up. I don't know if they're as 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 available currently as they used to be when I was growing up, which when you mentioned that, you reminded me. I was also nostalgic for for that <laughs> for that yeah. past and and that listening. I do know that they do have them in VOA, Africa. Mm-hmm. I do get mm-hmm. some of them, but
1: but again, it's it's, it's there's actually on YouTube too. If, if
0: if they've
1: been being uploaded on YouTube and Spotify.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Well, those are some links. Maybe you'll share with us, and then maybe I can share with our audience because sure. it's it's um it's necessary here our entertainment has become so westernized in the sense Mm -hmm. of even the stories have to follow a certain western format and Mm. you know when you talked about the crickets in the bush i i literally Mm -hmm. it lit up my mind and and my imagination literally went there in the same Mm -hmm. way And, and and it was comforting and it was nice and i I've, I look forward to those links and listening to more and finding out a little bit more on, on my own mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. So always encouraged. Always encouraged. What's your favorite um, resource?
1: Actually, yeah one of, one of, one of the things I want to emphasize right now, now that you're asking resources, which also me being a folklorist demands Mm-hmm. is that moving away from books as the only form of knowledge mm. um looking elsewhere right and for me i have benefited tremendously from film from film as 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 a form of knowledge so a lot of african um actually when you look at a lot of like old african films you know the usman semban the mambeti jibril um they were following the form of 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 traditional ways of storytelling like it, it it's it's as though you're bringing that story alive um in 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 visually so film has been a really cre- credible credible uh way uh form of resources resource for me um and sound as well like as, as I mentioned I'm looking at sound now and one of the things I would really encourage people to do is um start to, not a sound. And, and when I say sound, it goes beyond music. It's it's different forms of music itself is organized sound. So mm-hmm. basking in the noise, what what do you hear? Like, what do you hear? Like, let's say if someone played, I don't know, a sound of a river for you, what would you actually think? So in, in itself, sitting, if someone played a sound of a, of a market, a marketplace, what do you think about you know so like thinking of sound in itself as a way of knowing as, as as a form of epistemology um yeah so I wanted to emphasize that but of course text and reading is always important too um although it's difficult for me to name a particular a particular text but Different, I, I I'll perhaps say different scholars to 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 I think that might be much more easier. Um scholars that I really engage with seriously, um, that maybe people might check out their their work. Beginning from the continent, I really, really engage a lot with um Sylvia Tamale and her book uh, Decolonization and Afrofeminism it was a really, really great, great resource, especially thinking and theorizing from the continent, which is always from like uh, not. Valued. So there is Sylvia Tamale, Chris Musila, people like again, Hugo Kakanam, um, phenomenal, phenomenal author with his new book, Writer's Deathscapes. And here, um, I've I've benefited so much from Christina Sharp, Sylvia Winter, Ralph Trouillot, michelle
0: is a Haitian anthropologist, a black Haitian anthropologist. Perfect. I love the fact that you added the idea of film and just sounds and not music because, you know, I think it's also very, some meritocracy It's like, it doesn't sound, it sounds like this, or I can't listen to, yeah, I think we need to be a little bit more adventurous in what we consider. Attentive, 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 attentive to different forms
1: and tools and structures. The (laughs) diversity,
0: (laughs) diversity of sound and and where it comes from and who is making it. This has been such a pleasure for me. I know you have to rush Mm -hmm. off and I really do appreciate your time and being here with me, agreeing to be here as one of my first, first, first guests. So I wish you well. This is your final year with your masters. What's next Mm -hmm. for Brenda? I'm
1: starting my PhD in August. Um, going to Emory, Emory University. It's in Atlanta, in uh, Black Studies Black Studies program. So,
0: all the best to that. We look forward to reading a lot from you and your PhD studies and research. Let us know. Keep us keep us in the know. let <laughs> in the know. And 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 any last words you'd like to share? Anything?
1: It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. I had I had I had so much fun uh, being here with you um and thank you for having me thank you for having me and i hope the the listeners um learn a thing or two um i hope they interact with me at some point interact with them at some point as well besides that see you again
0: and that's it for this episode of the podcast thank you so much for tuning in if you made it this far Brenda's preferred medium of contact, as mentioned, is Instagram. Get to interact with her on her handle, which is in the description. And if you liked this episode, please be sure to share to the friend or two or three. The episode was hosted, produced, and edited by me, Theresa. Music is Africa Maasai Kids from Pixabay. And see you next episode. Stay curious.